0: A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Hey, welcome to another episode of Deep Into Sleep. I'm your host, Ishan. If you are unable to sleep, and you worry about losing sleep, then you are probably wrong about it. If you are trying to stay up late and finish some work and hope to have great productivity the next day and be super sharp on top of your game, you are probably making a mistake also. What's worse is, no matter how much coffee you drink, It won't help you to be more sharp, unfortunately. Now you may be confused. What? So unable to sleep is different from losing sleep. And coffee does not help us the way we think it should. And if we have a lot of work to finish at night, we should hold it off? What? I know, I know, a lot of question marks, right? So today, our guest, Dr. Michael Gradner, will explain all this to us. What's the science behind all this? And what we could do to help ourselves to sleep better, be healthier, and be more productive. Dr. Grandner is the director of Sleep and Health Research Program at the University of Arizona. He's also the director of the Behavioral Sleep Medicine Clinic at the Banner University Medical Center in Tucson. He is certified in behavioral sleep medicine by the American Board of Sleep Medicine. He's also the author of the book Sleep and Health. I learned a lot from this short conversation with him, and I'm sure you're going to love it too. Hi, Dr. Grantner. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: So I know you are an expert in the sleep medicine field, and you treat a lot of um, um, disorders like insomnia, um, that, those kind of sleep disorders. So for, I have a question for you. A lot of people, when they hear insomnia, They will think, well, uh, if I have insomnia, I cannot sleep very well. I definitely am losing my sleep, right? And that's severe. And I want to ask you is that right? Is insomnia equal to losing sleep?
1: That's a great question. Um, So, the way I'd like to answer that is to talk about the difference between insomnia and sleep deprivation. So, insomnia means that you're having difficulty falling asleep or you wake up and can't get back to sleep so that means that either when you lay down to try and fall asleep it takes you a long time or maybe you wake up during the night and then you can't get back to sleep or you wake up too early in the morning and can't get back to sleep that's insomnia um, in addition to that um, insomnia also means you have some problems during the day so the problem sleeping causes you either like stress or difficulty focusing or difficulty staying awake or, or, or fatigue or anything it has to cause a daytime problem. Um, and it has to happen at least three nights a week. Um, so if it, if it happens one or two nights a week, I don't know that I would call that like a real insomnia. It might be like an insomnia problem, but not a real insomnia disorder. And if it's been going on for at least three months, we would actually give you a diagnosis of insomnia disorder. If it's been less than three months, we would call it like a short-term insomnia uh, that will either resolve on its own or could turn into a long-term insomnia. Now, that's insomnia. Insomnia is difficulty falling asleep or difficulty staying asleep. But notice one thing I didn't say in there is how much you sleep. There are some people with insomnia who get four or five hours of sleep. And in addition to the insomnia, they're also sleep-deprived. There's a lot of people who have insomnia who actually get you know seven hours of sleep but they still have insomnia or maybe even longer than seven hours. Actually, after about seven, eight hours, actually longer sleep actually correlates with more insomnia, strangely. So the amount of sleep you get and insomnia are two totally different things. It's like, um, if you don't eat enough, um, you won't get enough nutrition. So you'll be nutritionally deprived, but if you eat a lot, but still don't have good nutrition, it's okay. You're eating enough but it's still not good quality. And so insomnia is more about the quality of like the nutrition for food and sleep deprivation is, are you eating enough to give yourself enough energy? So that's why there's two different dimensions. Some people with insomnia have insomnia and sleep deprivation. Some people are just sleep deprived. So a lot of people who are sleep deprived have no insomnia because they're super tired and sleepy because they're so sleep deprived. So they're starving for sleep. So whenever they get into bed, they fall asleep right away and then their alarm goes off and they have to get up and start the day. And so they don't have insomnia. They just have sleep deprivation. Some people have both and some people just have insomnia.
0: I see. So sounds like insomnia and sleep deprivation, for some people, there's some kind of overlap. But for yep. some people, they can either have this one or that one, not both.
1: Yeah, so some have one and some have both, Some and a lot of people don't have either one. But people confuse them a lot because a lot of people with insomnia, they feel like their problem is, is that they're not getting enough sleep, not that the sleep is poor quality when actually that might be the problem.
0: Mm, so sleep quality feels different, and it's different than sleep uh, quantity. Correct. Uh, then how insomnia and sleep deprivation impact our health i know that a lot of people really worry about that they think if i sleep poorly i have insomnia then my health gonna suffer
1: yeah that's a great question so insomnia itself is a major risk factor for mental health problems so um probably the the most common um the most common risk factor for um, insomnia is developing depression and anxiety disorders. But there's also a bunch of scientific evidence that shows insomnia itself can increase risk for things like high blood pressure, um, or getting sick more, or even even diabetes, especially um, in, in men more than women. There, there seems to be some other health risks associated with insomnia too. Um, now, so not only just mental health, but it seems to be the strongest risk factors with insomnia or with mental health. Sleep deprivation, on the other hand, has some risks with mental health, but the risks associated with sleep deprivation are a little more physical. Things like um, weight gain, obesity, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, inflammation, um, and getting sick more, um, and also things like ability to focus and, and brain function. So people with insomnia who don't who aren't sleep deprived can feel foggy during the day but they're actually um they're, they're often able to perform okay uh, but people who are sleep deprived ironically often feel like they're doing okay but they're actually quite impaired. For example, we did a study looking at drowsy driving showing that the amount of sleep you get predicts drowsy driving not how well rested you think you are. Um and so and so when you have both, that might mean that you have both sets of risks. So you might have the risks of insomnia plus the risks of sleep deprivation. Um, and and so that might be especially troubling.
0: Huh, that's very interesting. So it sounds like objectively, subjectively, how we feel and what actually, how we are sleeping. There Sometimes there's a gap.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, especially people who've been sleep deprived for a while, um, When you bring people into the laboratories, there's a great, uh, there've been a number of great studies on this, but one of my favorite studies actually came out of Singapore, where what they did is a great sleep research program down there. One of the things they did is they took people and they sleep deprived them for a few nights and they showed that their brain function got worse and worse and worse. They were less able to focus, pay attention. And then what they did is they gave them a couple nights of rest, like a weekend, um, and then their scores went back down to normal. But then what happened, as soon as they sleep-deprived them again, instead of starting from normal again, they actually started from worse. So, so they didn't actually fully recover. And then when you also ask people how they're doing in these studies, you can see that after a few days, people think they're adjusting to less sleep. Ah, my body's just getting used to it. But it turns out you're actually scoring worse and worse and worse, even if you think you're recovering and leveling off. So it's really important to know that the more impaired you are, the less able to tell how impaired you are. Like the the sleep deprivation not only causes you to have problems, but one of the problems is you can't tell that you're sleep deprived anymore because you're so used to it.
0: Wow, that's very scary, right? Especially nowadays, we we all work so hard. I know a lot of people are so tired, but very uh, career driven, work very until very late possibly it's very common
1: problem nowadays. Yeah. Well, and, and, and sleep deprivation and insomnia, I should mention both have, there's a whole uh, literature now emerging how both of these impact work. People with insomnia who say they have difficulty sleeping, not only do they have less productivity and they're, they have higher healthcare costs. They call out sick more, they get injured on the job more, and they're more likely to go on disability. We also, in some of our data, we showed that people with insomnia, so everyone loses productivity from stress or coworker issues or family. We all lose productivity from a bunch of different sources. People with insomnia lose twice as much productivity as people who don't have insomnia from the same sources. And we also showed that caffeine doesn't totally fix that problem either. It can increase reaction time and speed, but it doesn't fix productivity. And we found the same thing with sleeping less. So a lot of people sleep less to work more, but it turns out when you sleep less, you become less efficient and you make more mistakes. So actually, the people who slept a little more lose less productivity and they actually gain more efficiency. So they actually get more done in less time. So maybe one of the reasons why you don't feel like you have enough time for sleep is because you're not sleeping enough and you're being inefficient. So rather than sleep being a cost at the end of the day, you should see sleep as an investment in tomorrow's productivity and functioning.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that mindset. We really should view sleep as an investment. It's much stronger uh, a statement than what I used to think we should all prioritize sleep. But thinking about something you are investing in yourself actually gets you more productive, not the other way around.
1: Yeah. Right, and so when, when I decide when to go to bed at night, it's not how much work do I still have left to do, it's how productive and awake do I need to be tomorrow? If I need to be functioning really well, I need to make sure I put down whatever it is I'm doing and get to sleep. Whatever it is, is gonna have to wake because if I don't wanna kill my whole tomorrow for an extra half an hour or an hour or even an hour and a half of productivity tonight, because I'm gonna lose that same time tomorrow and it's gonna be a cycle. So I would, I would urge people to choose when they're going to bed based on how functional they wanna to be tomorrow, not based on how much work they have left. And often they'll find that all that time they didn't think they had, they get it back. They'll find it by being more productive and being more efficient.
0: That's great suggestion. People really should keep in mind. I think that's so important. Thank you for, for telling all the audience that. (laughs) Yeah. So I really like how you schedule your sleep and work and think about productivity that way. But I know for a lot of our audience, possibly it's quite challenging for them to gain some insight, to be aware of you know where my sleep is, do I really have insomnia, am I losing sleep, do, how do I know? Right.
1: Yeah, so here's a couple good rules of thumb for you. If it takes you more than a half an hour to fall asleep or you're awake for more than a half an hour during the night trying to sleep and you can't or you wake up a half an hour before you want to and can't get back to sleep for that last time, so this 30 minutes, at least three nights a week and it's been going on for at least three months, you should probably see a doctor about insomnia. Um, so that 30, 30 minutes, at least three nights a week. So, and I should also mention, um, treatments for insomnia are not just medication. So a lot of people don't like taking medication because it makes you drowsy and groggy and and kind of other risks like falls and, and addictions and things like that. But actually what a lot of people don't realize is the most recommended treatment for insomnia actually is not medications, even though that's what most people get. It just turns out that a lot of doctors don't actually know what the actual guidelines even say. So actually the most effective treatment for insomnia is actually a behavioral therapy. It's a training protocol called CBTI. It stands for Cognitive Behavior Therapy for Insomnia, but essentially what it is, is it reteaches your brain to sleep. Because what a lot of people with insomnia have is, no matter what the cause was, the insomnia takes on a life of its own, where you have what's called a conditioned arousal, where, where your brain has a really hard time detaching, or, or when you wake up during the night, it has a hard time getting back down to sleep. And what actually happens is you accidentally train your brain to do that by being awake in bed and all these things that happen. And so what CBTI does is it reprograms you to be able to fall asleep in bed without medication. And actually for decades, it beats out any medication that's been on the market, it's as good or better. That's why most medical organizations recommend it. It's just a lot of people don't know about it because there's still not a ton of people who are experts at it. But if people were gonna search about it, and I can give you some links of some directories and stuff of people who do it, it's actually a good non-medication, much more natural approach that actually it has better scientific evidence than any of the medication. So it's a good thing. So anyway, so that's insomnia. For people who have some insomnia problems, but don't maybe meet criteria for the disorder, there are a lot of things you can do. Um, The main things I would say is actually give budget time to wind down at night. Plan on when you're going to go to bed. So plan when you're going to put things down so that you don't get into bed and you haven't given yourself time to slow down because you're going to take it anyway in bed. Number two, if you can't sleep, get up and get out of bed. It looks like one of the main things that turns a short-term insomnia into a long-term insomnia is that people stay in bed awake, tossing and turning. And that's what is one of the things that causes that programming of the brain to be awake in bed. So if you're in bed for 20, 30 minutes, you can't sleep, get up and take a break. Don't just sit there in agony, get up, distract yourself for a little bit, do something else, then get back to bed. You wanna minimize your time awake in bed so that the bed actually can trigger a sleep response because the bed equals sleep. So if you do those things, that will help set you up for fixing minor sleep problems. So there's other things we can talk about later. So that's insomnia. For sleep deprivation, it's a little harder because remember, um, most people who are sleep deprived don't know it, right. or they don't know how sleep deprived they are. So here's a few signs that you might be sleep deprived. Number one, if you fall asleep within like five minutes of your head hitting the pillow, if, you're, if your head hits the pillow and you're out, um, that means you are probably too starved for sleep. And so it's like, if I put a plate of food in front of you, and you finish all that food in 30 seconds, you were too hungry. So you probably should have eaten a little bit ago. You're, you're too starving. So if you're falling asleep too fast, that's a sign you might be sleep deprived. Um, probably the most obvious sign of sleep deprivation though is difficulty staying awake during the day. If you have trouble keeping your eyes open for significant amounts of time during the day, if every time you sit down and put on the TV, you fall asleep, If you're even falling asleep at times when you should be staying awake, like at a meeting or something like that, that's a sign that you're starved for sleep and your body is trying to take it whenever it can. Either that means you're sleep deprived in that you're not getting enough, or it means there's something in the way is keeping your sleep shallow, something like an untreated sleep disorder, like sleep apnea, or noise, or... Um, some medical issue that keeps your sleep shallow at night. If you're having trouble staying awake during the day, that's not normal. It's okay to get a little sleepy in the afternoon, but you shouldn't have an issue keeping your eyes open on a regular basis. Other signs that you're sleep deprived would be actually in your decision making. If you have a hard time making healthy choices, that's actually a sign of sleep deprivation. So when people are sleep deprived, they start gravitating toward more unhealthy food because they're craving energy Mm. um they start not being able to have the energy to like get physical activity or, or make other healthy choices because they're just sluggish but they don't quite realize that that's what's going on so those are some signs you might not might be sleep deprived also if you're getting less than six hours on average at night that's probably not enough six to seven is sort of a gray zone where some people are probably fine some for some people that's not enough as long as you're getting at least seven hours you're probably okay
0: i see i totally feel what you just mentioned i think if i have to work more and sleep less i tend to crave a lot of sugar i drink coke i uh, think caffeine can help me so i uh, end up drinking more coffee like from one cup a day to two cups a day and just use all kinds of ways just without even realizing it just mess up my whole system.
1: Yeah, coffee can be great. Caffeine is actually can be very useful for maintaining alertness. Um, and it, it peaks after about 30 minutes, but then it can have effects on alertness for four to six hours, which is why some people have trouble falling asleep with it. Some people are very sensitive and even 10 hours, it can sort of keep you up. But that could be a good thing if you're trying to sort of counteract some of the fatigue. The problem with caffeine, though, is it'll increase focus and attention and decrease fatigue, but it won't necessarily improve thinking and strategic thinking and decision-making. So just be aware of that Where and, and productivity. So we found that the caffeine didn't fix the productivity. You see this in athletes too. Athletes who have caffeine are stronger and faster, but if they're sleep-deprived, they still make the same mistakes. So like, for example, there's a great study in tennis players, sleep-deprived tennis players. Without caffeine, their serving accuracy decreased by like 50%. With caffeine, it was only 30%, but there's, it's still 30% worse. It helped a little bit, but it didn't help all the way, not even halfway. And that's what we see a lot with caffeine. It'll help keep you awake. And if that's what's important, great. Um, It'll help reduce fatigue and ability to help you focus, but you don't make the best decisions and and your performance isn't totally rescued.
0: Mm. So it depends on what kind of job we do, what kind of things we have to do, how we're going to use our brain to think, to plan, to organize, then we should really thinking about uh, what to do, sleep more, use caffeine, or like how to arrange it.
1: (laughs) Or even plan a nap. Mm. you know, or even a short nap. A short nap actually can sometimes do even more than caffeine.
0: Ah, I do hear the word power nap. Uh, Even a short one can be powerful, huh?
1: Yeah, so the way sleep works is we start out awake and then we drop down into deeper stages of sleep and then we come back up into light sleep. A power nap means you nap, but you wake up before you get into deep sleep. Usually this could be 20, 30 minutes. But that is enough to get some of the benefits of sleep. Actually, if you nap for too long and you wake up from that deeper sleep, you feel worse. So actually, sometimes the shorter naps are better. And to be totally honest, they work the best when you're not already sleep deprived. So if you're, if you're maybe a little tired but not, not like chronically sleep deprived, a power nap can actually be a super effective strategy for improving focus, improving learning and memory, and, and having energy for the rest of the day and, and not feeling sleepy. If you're very sleep deprived, you might drop down into that deep sleep faster because you're hungry for it. And then sometimes you wake up and thinking that, oh, I shouldn't have napped because I feel worse. Because that means you were actually, actually might have been a little too sleep deprived for that nap. You know, it's like, it's like if, you're, if you're really starving, having a small snack sometimes makes you feel worse
0: right
1: (laughs) but if you're not starving sometimes a small snack can help keep you going through the day
0: definitely i like the analogy between food and sleep yeah awesome so you mentioned a little bit what we should do so um just overall i know you have to go soon so any last uh wisdoms about what people what our audience can do to help themselves Uh, after they have some awareness where their sleep is, what they can do to make them better?
1: Yeah. So first thing I would challenge people to think of sleep this way. What if I told you I had an exercise routine, that this exercise routine could not only improve your physical performance, but your mental performance as well. It'll improve your mental health. It could improve your weight regulation and your diet. It can improve your relationships and interpersonal relations. And it'll improve your health overall. But more importantly, it'll help you feel better. It'll help you perform better. Would you do it? And what if I told you, you don't even have to do it every day. Just do it when you can. And you can do it for free every night. And it doesn't take too much extra time. It takes 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how much time you have. Would you do it? And the thing is, with all the benefits that people get from it, people spend way more money on much fewer benefits. But the truth is, we have the ability to do this stuff. It's a natural performance enhancer. We just take it for granted. So the first thing I would say, I, was, I would challenge people to think of sleep not as an inconvenience, but as a performance enhancer at their disposal for free. That can also not only man- help manage their mental and physical functioning, but also can help regulate their immune system and weight and food cravings. The next thing I would say is, Actually, maybe setting a good time in the morning will help because if you get bright light and movement in the morning, it helps set your circadian rhythms for the whole day. It can it also improve mood and improve energy levels through the whole day so you don't feel as sleepy. If you get some bright light, especially outdoor light, especially relatively early in the morning, that can help set your clock for the day. And I mean, then I mentioned before that you should plan time to wind down, budget for it, make that part of your plan so that you're ready for sleep when when it's time so that when you get into bed, your body and your mind are ready and you can fall asleep easier. And then the final thing is don't spend more than 20, 30 minutes in bed awake at any time. Just get up. Even if it's just for five minutes, most people might need 30 to 60 minutes up before they try again. And even if you sleep less tonight, what it's doing is it's protecting your sleep for the future. And the final thing I would say is one thing we learned from sleep deprivation studies is that If you've slept pretty good for a week or two, and you have one or two nights of bad sleep, it actually doesn't impair you very much. You have a good buffer. So banking sleep and getting a good buffer of sleep is a great way to protect you from from the stress of sleep deprivation. I mean, this is what, what I tell the athletes too, is if you've got a competition and you can't sleep the night before, that's okay. Just get good sleep for the week before. And even if you feel a little more tired the next day, your performance will probably be
0: fine. That's awesome. Thank you very much Dr. Gradner. These very are welcome. awesome information.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome conversation with Dr. Gradner. What do you think about it? The two key points I'm going to carry away myself is sleep is investment. It's not a waste of time. And it's certainly not a burden. Second thing I take away is if I won't decide when I should go to bed, I really need to think about how functional I want to be the next day. If there's lots waiting for me and use my brain a lot, then I will make sure I sleep early and drop everything I need to do at late night. Shut off my brain, stop working, just go to bed. So what is your takeaway? Please feel free to comment in the comment area or email me at ishan at mindbodygarden.com to let me know how you think and what you learned from this conversation. If you want to learn more about sleep science, sleep knowledge, and know how to use those to guide your own behaviors, you can read Dr. Gretner's new book, Sleep and Health. I will put all the information to the show note, and you can find the show note on our website at deepintosleep.co. On our website, we have a tab called resource. In there, you will be able to find the literal, he mentioned, to find certified behavioral sleep medicine psychologists to help you with your insomnia problems. And of course, you will find my name on those directories also. And if you need help, I also deliver CBTI, CBT for insomnia treatment, both in group format and individual format, both in Mandarin and English. If you need any help, please feel free to let me know. And you can find my information on the website deepintosleep.co. At the end, I just want to say thank you to you all for listening. Your support is great motivation for me to continuously generate more contents, more great conversations on this podcast. I have been doing this for about a year, and we have more than 10,000 downloads already and over 55 episodes. I'm so grateful to have you all. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a review or comment on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platforms you are listening from. Thank you so much for being here with me. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently. And there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on.